the easiest way to kind of start is to think about the most common questions that you are asked on a day-to-day basis. In my experience, again, working with hundreds of authors, there's definitely themes. So if you kind of go back to your emails and just see like, what's the question that I'm always being asked that I have to spend a certain amount of time like dedicated to like properly responding to that question. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Jen. It's great to have you joining me today. Thank you, Samantha. I'm glad to be here. I'm super excited to be chatting with you. You are the CEO of Publish Your Purpose. I'm all about living purpose and helping experts to really, you know, dive into their expertise so that they can create a business of purpose. So this is going to be a big lot of fun. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and types of people that you serve? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So my company, we often work kind of at that intersection where someone's leading with their purpose. So it's purpose, passion, impact, change. So oftentimes we're working with entrepreneurial types who they just have, they know that they're meant to do more and to be kind of step onto a bigger stage, whether that's a literal stage or a figurative stage. And so oftentimes our authors are writing about topics that might be sensitive, but by them sharing their story, they know they're going to have a bigger impact on the communities that they serve. So Mm. my role in all of that is how can both myself as well as those on my team, how can we collectively amplify and elevate whatever their message is? And it just happens to be in the form of books. Mm. But, you know, we also kind of support in their, you know, their developing and budding kind of speaker, you know, speaker kind of careers as well, because oftentimes those things are two very, very, you know, very interlinked, as you know, as this, you know, being we're talking about thought leadership today. Yeah, totally. How did you wind up in this niche or this niche, depending on where you're listening from in the world? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I personally have written six books. And when I was writing my third book, which were all nonfiction books that were aimed for mostly professionals that marketing toward the LGBTQ community, that's really kind of like my consulting background, my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with a lot of fortune companies, insurance, financial services, very boring industries, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, they were the ones that were hiring me to say, hey, we want to reach this market. How do we do it? And so... I had it happen enough times where I would be talking to somebody and they they would say, well, where's your book? And I'm like, well, I don't have a book. And so after that conversation happened so many times, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to write the first book. And this was back in 2012. Mm -hmm. I must've started writing it in the beginning of 2012. And so from there, I wrote the first one, my clients and the people I I was working with loved it. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to write a second one. I'm going to write a third one. By the time I was like going from the second into the third one, that's when everyone in my network kept asking me, well, how did you know how to write a book or how did you know how to publish the book? And then it just really kind of organically grew legs because then I created a group coaching program. And then from there, people in the program were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're teaching me how to do it, but I just want to have you do it for me. Mm. And then before I knew it, I had a publishing company. So it was not a planned path. It very kind of landed in my lap, but 
it's absolutely where I'm supposed to be. Like I, I can feel it like in my bones. This yeah, I'm totally. I'm a big believer that the universe, and when I say universe, it's whatever, you know, people believe in, whether it's God or, you know, something more spiritual, whatever it is. But I believe that we get these lessons or these little taps on the shoulder. And one of my friends t- said to me years ago, you know, this thing, it comes and it taps you on the shoulder and then it whispers in your ear. And if you don't listen, it gives you a big slap across the face. And if you don't <laughs> listen, then you get brought to your knees. So it's just easy to listen to the whisper. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. I definitely listen to the whisper. And and I've said this a number of times that if I actually thought through what it would take to start a publishing company, rather than just kind of going with my intuition and my gut and my instinct to say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I would have been so paralyzed by the amount of things that would have to be done to actually create the infrastructure to have a publishing company. So I am very happy that I just kind of followed my gut and I'm like, all right, this is what I have now, rather than kind of like overanalyzing it, because that would have definitely stopped me. Yeah, totally. That's a really, really good point. Now you've got a mantra, change happens in business. Can you explain more about what you mean by that? So when back in my consulting days, what I would find most frequently is that, and so I consulted, you know, I had the, certainly the clients that paid the bills, which were the bigger clients that I, you know, was able to get, you know, make good money with consulting. But then I also worked with a lot of smaller business owners. Most of them, I would say were solopreneurs. Maybe they had like a half a person who was helping support their, support them in some way. And so what I noticed is whether it was on a large scale or a small scale, that the systemic change that needs to happen in whatever country you might live in or whatever infrastructure or system that you are operating within, the changes within all of us to actually make. So oftentimes I think we kind of deflect and think that it's someone else's, you know, someone else has to to carry that torch to make the change. But in reality, it really happens on an individual level and further it happens in a business level. So I think whether, you know, as a solopreneur, we have so much power to make an impact, whether it's on a like a social movement, whether it's legislatively, there's so many different opportunities. And so for me, it just kind of boils down to that idea that you know change does happen in business because as a business owner, regardless of kind of the infrastructure of what your business is, people kind of look at us in a different way and they give us more kind of authority in ways that whether we feel like we have that authority or not is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's this kind of inherent like you are more valuable to our society. Again, the validity of that statement, not, you know, that aside. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we actually double down on that and use our voices for good and for that change and for that impact? Because if if someone's going to treat us differently because we're a business owner, why not leverage that? So mm. that's kind of where that all came from. Yeah, let's use it in a way that is going to do more good. I was having this exact same conversation with family and friends over the Easter weekend. I was reading a book and it was talking about, you know, entrepreneurs really are going to change the world. And as entrepreneurs, we know that's going to happen. And Mm. I think a lot of people think, but I'm just one person, you know, there's a lot of people listening that may not even have their first team member, or maybe they've got, you know, just one team member working with them. And, you know, they feel like, oh, it's just me. But it's about Mm. sharing, I believe, and I'd love you to talk to this more, when we share a message, and when we talk about 
you know, our purpose or what we're really, really passionate about. What that does is attract other people. And I'm not just talking clients. And I think a lot of people just think it's, you know, we share a message and we attract clients, but we also attract other people in business that we can come together with and create change in a different way. So I'd love you to talk about why we need to get really clear on our message. I think that's probably a good start. Why we need to get clear on our message and how that works to attract other business owners, just to maybe open up a different conversation to that normal, you know, I'll put it in air quotes, client conversation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what I will say is that for me, it was kind of an aha moment. And I'm just going to kind of like share an example and then kind of circle Mm. back to what you asked. Perfect. Is when I was doing the consulting work, it was me in that, you know, that half a person. So we really were kind of, you know, like the typical solopreneur where, you know, she would support, you know, helping create the the slides that I was going to use, like just whatever I could get her help with. And at first, when I was kind of making this transition into helping other people with their books, I was a little bit kind of reluctant because consulting in so many ways is such an easy gig when you have have some kind of feeder system to kind of get the right people coming in. Mm-hmm. So I could go and fly to a corporate headquarters and get paid $25,000 to stand on a stage and speak for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I would pack my things and then I would leave. And so there's something beautiful Like there is something very beautiful about just the ability to stand on a stage, get a lot of money for what you do, being passionate about what you do, and really kind of having the enthusiasm to rally that crowd of people. And Mm. so whether you're standing in front of five people or 5,000 people, it's the energy that you're putting out on that stage. So I was having all of those moments where I was like, oh, I love doing this so much. But at the same time, I'm definitely kind of a behind the scenes type of person. That's really where I love to be. And what I realized, and this is kind of what I think might resonate with folks is even so I had that ability as me, one solopreneur person, I was able to stand on a stage and whether my audience was five or 5,000, which would vary depending on, you know, depending on what I was doing. But I had this epiphany one day of thinking, okay, I'm really feeling good about the impact that I'm making in the world. Mm -hmm. But what if I put myself in my happy place behind the scenes and I was the person who was pushing out the other people to step on the stage? Mm-hmm. What type of impact could I make then? And when I had that kind of mindset shift, it all kind of fell into place because now I've worked with hundreds of authors, some of which have you know small budding audiences, some who have you know hundreds of thousands of followers. And so There's something really beautiful in the gift that we all collectively have as that one person is thinking about how our clients are serving other people. So if we think from that change perspective and we think, okay, I'm here, I have 10 clients and those 10 clients all have 10 clients and those 10 clients have 10 clients. Just Mm. see like the ripple effect of that change that we can all make when really we kind of look at ourselves as, you know, we're by ourselves most of the day, doing our own thing, living in our happy place. Like we have a huge change pool that we're kind of creating that we don't even really know. So once you actually recognize that that's possible and that's available, I feel like the sky is the limit in terms of really kind of energetically making those connections with folks in a much Mm, deeper way. Totally. 
I want to ask around that question because a lot of the people in my audience or a lot of the people that are listening are real experts at what they do. When I say real experts, I'm not talking about someone that's just left high school, you know, and they decide they want to go and sit on a beach and drink cocktails. I mean, and I mean, good luck to them. That's not my problem if they want to do that. But a lot of my audience, they have so much expertise, they don't know where to tap into. They really struggle to understand which part of the message or which part of the passion or which part of the expertise should I talk about? I'd love your take on that, especially if of the author of six books, because I know I know that I've had this problem before where I've sat down to write a book and started and realized actually it's multiple books and had to sort of go back and start again. And I'm sure for someone that's, that's written six books that you know what I'm talking about. So how do we start to get clarity on which part of the message is the part that we should be sharing? That is such a brilliant question. And so I would say the easiest way to kind of start is to think about the most common questions that you are asked on a day-to-day basis. Because in my experience, again, working with hundreds of authors, there's definitely themes. You know, So if you kind of go back to your emails and just see like, what's the question that I'm always being asked that I have to spend a certain amount of time like dedicated to like properly responding to that question. Eventually you will see patterns where you're like, okay, everybody's asking me, you know, how do I clarify my message? Okay. So if everyone's asking me that question, maybe that's a good starting point because Mm -hmm. what you can do from there is think about a mind map. And so for those who might not be clear on what a mind map is, is you just kind of plop your central idea in the center, and then you kind of branch off these little tentacles in different directions that are kind of like the sub ideas or ideas that collaborate with that central idea that they kind of go together. And what that will do is that you'll see that central idea that might've been, you know, how do I start, you know, how do I figure out what my message is? And then you'll start to, when you branch it off, you're like, okay, how do I figure out where to start with my message? But wait a minute, how would I even get the expertise to be doing what I'm doing? And then that might lead you down the path of, well, I gained the expertise through this education working with this company, but really the the expertise came in when I was working with this particular person within this particular organization. And then you might be sharing their story. So before you know it, you'll start to see like these big anchor points. And then you can kind of look at them from a 30,000 foot view and kind of look at them as puzzle pieces or as something that needs to be put in a certain order. So I often tell people when they're just starting out with their process, is there are some people who do well with outlines. There's some Mm -hmm. people that just can crank through an outline and they're in great shape. There are other people where our brains do not function in outlines. I am one of them. (laughs) And so so what you want to do is just kind of write where you feel inspired. So instead of, of thinking it as a linear process and thinking, okay, I have to, today I have to write chapter one when you don't even know what chapter one is. Today is where do I write where I'm inspired? What email came in today or what conversation did I have with somebody today that just sparked something in me that I feel compelled to write down? Just focus on writing that down because then once you have enough words on the page, whether they're in separate documents or they're kind of summer notes on your phone, summer voice memos, you can actually start to see all of the pieces of the puzzle and it becomes much more clear how they tie together. Mm. And then later down the road through the editing process or having other people kind of take a look at what you've done, you can start to pull apart, like you had said, of, oh, oh Lord, I actually have uh, three books in here and not just one, which is, I swear I have like on a daily basis is that somebody thinks they have one and it's like, there's at least six here. Yeah. Let, you know, yeah. let's start at one. 
Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a common thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, myself included. I loved that you said that, you know, for some people it's not a linear process because, you know, when I wrote my first book and I've got another couple in the, the works at the minute, what I realized was every time I started at the beginning, I would get like even maybe halfway through the first few chapters and I always just stopped and went, I don't understand what's wrong here. And what I realized is that I need to just make notes of where I'm starting. I actually write the very last chapter. I write the final chapter and then reverse engineer it and join it together. So you've just made you've just made me feel better that I'm not the only crazy person in the world. <laughs> no, no, because I think what happens is that because we read in a linear way, we assume we have to write in a linear way. And what happens is that you might have plans of like, I'm going to sit down for an hour today and I'm going to write chapter five. But by the time you get scrolling through your document to chapter five, you are now 45 minutes in because you've been tweaking and playing with things from chapters one through four. Mm -hmm. So it's more of, I think for most people, it's either starting a new document or using a program that kind of allows you to just drop in to where you should be writing and trying not to censor yourself. Because I think that's what we all do. We censor ourselves. We can't stand a squiggly red or green line under a word. We have to fix it immediately. But it just kind of slows us down and it takes us out of that zone of being in flow. Mm, I feel like you just read my mind then. That was very weird. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about like the little nuances, you know, purpose. I want to talk about diversity. I want to talk about the underrepresented, you talk about underrepresented voices. How much or where do people start to really start delving into their unique piece? Because I feel that it can be a really scary place to get right into that bit that we really, really want to talk about, but that's where the real change happens, right? How do you help people to really unpack what that special and unique piece is for them that's going to be the real change piece? Oh, that's such a good question. So I would start by looking at marketing just from a broad sense and think about how everything that we put out there as a business owner is a form of marketing, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's a blog post, could be an email. Everything is a representation of who we are. But what we want to do is that everyone talks about how do we attract the right customer, right? Everyone, it's always like, how do we attract? How do we bring them in? But what we're not talking enough about is how do we repel them? Mm -hmm. because it's a two-way street. We want to repel the wrong people as much as we want to attract the right people. And I think when we start to kind of wrap our head around being okay with not being loved and liked by everyone, we can start to realize, wow, I can just stand in my truth and who I am, who I am as a person and share my life experience. And that in and of itself is going to do both of those things. It's going to attract the right people and it's going to repel the wrong people. And so I really kind of use that as a starting point for most people, because it really is a mindset shift to think not everyone is going to like me. Mm. And I think too often when we are marketing or we're writing, we're thinking more about how do we write for kind of a broader audience of mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. to try to make everyone love us. But we know, like, I hate this phrase, but like the riches are in the niches, right? So like there's that adage because there's some truth to it. So I think for what I would say is to just go real deep in who you are. So what are the things that make you uniquely you, whether it's your background, whether it's your ethnicity, whether it's a culture you were brought up in, whether it's a certain geographic location that might be relevant to you, a religion, all of those different things 
simply on the surface as kind of checkboxes of what our identity is comprised of, those things alone could be the thing that is the uniqueness in and of itself. So if we think about, you know, the last time, maybe you, last time you hired a business coach or the last time you hired an accountant or just some kind of service provider that might be relevant to your business, we like attracts like, and we want to see ourselves represented in other people. So if you're a consultant on any number of topics, you have to be thinking about who is, or a coach, who is that person that's going to be most attracted to you? Is it going to be somebody who's part of the same community as you? Is it going to be somebody who, you know, for my business, we're a certified B Corp, which really just means that we have a commitment to, you know, sustainability, environmentally friendly practices and things like that. That in and of itself attracts a whole kind of audience of people because they know that that is something that's embedded in kind of the culture of, of what we do. So it's kind of a bunch of things. But if we think about those decision-making processes, so if you know someone's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I'm looking at four different book publishers who can help me get this done. I have this one book publisher who is you know, just your run-of-the-mill kind of corporate-y. You have this other book publisher that's owned by a woman. You have another publisher that's owned by a LGBTQ plus person or someone that's a person of color. And then you have this kind of random person that you don't really know anything about them. And you are that LGBTQ person, you're going to gravitate toward that particular publisher specifically for that point alone. Mm -hmm. And so the more we can just tell our stories in the very beginning of our work, like the first chapter, introduction, preface, wherever you want to include it, that's where you set the stage of this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And that alone can be the thing that makes your unique voice shine to say, you know what, I want to work with another woman because I'm tired of this industry being run by men. Mm -hmm. Or I want to work with another person of color because I am a person of color. And there's mm -hmm. something kind of beautiful in the magic of that. And obviously there's more, a little more nuance that, you know, any one of these areas can go, but just having that as the starting point can be absolutely transformational. And then you're being that beacon to someone who looks like you, feels like you, acts like you to see, oh, you know what, they made it, then I have a path forward too. And there's something mm. really inspiring about that. Absolutely. I find that most people would nod their heads to this. And then what I find is there are some people that then go to go down this path and feel a fear like, oh, but this isn't me. I need to speak to a broad audience because I may not get enough clients. I may not reach the people that I need to get to. And it's a huge problem. I'd love you to share a story if you could of someone that didn't go that deep and how it impacted them. And then second, how deep is too deep? So I want to mm. help people find like where that balance is in the middle. Okay, so let's see. So how deep, how deep is too deep? So or is there a too deep? I think there could be. And mm -hmm. I think it kind of depends on, here's what I will say around the too deep part. Mm -hmm. So my consulting business was so niche within a niche within a niche. So mine was LGBTQ and it was marketing and communication specifically, and then further specifically with financial services and insurance. So mm -hmm. it was like, how much deeper can we go on like on the target market? Mm -hmm. But the reality was, is that no matter how many times I would tell people I am an expert in financial services and insurance, would I get everyone 
in other industries, food and beverage, automotive, like every other possible configuration you could think of, they would still come to you. Mm -hmm. Because what niching down does is it allows us to be positioned very, very specifically as an expert. And when you are showing yourself really front and center as an expert, people are not necessarily paying attention to what really you're the expert in. They're just seeing like, oh, that person's an expert. They've been Mm. featured here. They're featured there. You know, they have clients. They're talking about this success story, this case study in the sense that they kind of forget like, oh, that's right. Like that's all that person does. Mm -hmm. So even though mine was again, even on the LGBTQ front, like I had people well beyond that range of saying, well, can you help me with our, so there's things called employee resource groups, like within larger companies. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be going in for LGBTQ work and they would say, well, you know, do you know anything about the Hispanic market? The answer was no, but they would ask me anyway, because they already had a trust with me. Mm -hmm. So I really don't think that there's any way you can go too deep if you're constantly putting yourself front and center as that expert. And so you don't always have to say, you know, like I would have said that, you know, I'm a, a marketing and communications expert more so probably than saying, you know, I'm financial services and insurance. So I think it's a matter of like what thing you place as the first level of the kind of the niching down. So if you have LGBTQ marketing, communications, financial services, insurance, insurance, if I had flipped it and I led with financial services and insurance, that might have been somewhat problematic if I were actually trying to reach a broader audience. I don't know if that actually really answered your question. Absolutely did. And it was brilliant. It was so brilliant because what the nuance there that I'm hearing is a, by niching down, you are being heard by at least someone. So here's the thing. People say, I want to make sure that I don't discount anyone that, you know, I'm an expert. I want everyone to know. But when we speak to everybody, nobody hears us. So Mm -hmm. by niching down, someone hears us. Then this is where the magic happens. The trust. And that's what you said, the trust that is built by then, then actually it comes back up to the surface. So by Mm -hmm. going down, you're coming back up and you explain that so brilliantly. Have you ever worked with someone that has been very top level or you probably haven't worked with them, but someone that you've seen where they've been very, very broad and how it hasn't happened in getting that trust? You know, I feel like authors that we work with sometimes start in that place. Mm -hmm. And so my background between the marketing and kind of just business strategy as, you know, a previous life in uh, business coaching, I can see a hundred miles away when somebody's being too broad. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times that broadness actually shows up as being too academic. Mm -hmm. So we think that we want to kind of step forward and show our credentials of, you know, like I have a master's degree. Yay. Right. Like I never lead with that. No one cares. And my Mm -hmm. (laughs) typically no one cares. Mm -hmm. And I would never write in an academic way just personally, but I work with a lot of authors who have PhDs and they've been in corporate America for an eternity and they're so brilliant at what they do, but they only really know how to write for that corporate or that academic type of audience. And so to me, even just in that frame of writing is too broad. So not to say they don't kick and scream because it happens, you know, on a, on a routine basis. I say that I'm either putting someone on the ledge or I'm taking them off the ledge on a daily basis. It's one mm-hmm. or the other. And typically it's around the writing. So they might come in and, and have this kind of broad, I'm writing a book on leadership, which we've done a number, a number of books on leadership. And it's like, that's fine. But why, why are you writing the book on leadership? And mm-hmm. what about leadership are you writing about? So we have a book that came out just in December 
of 2020. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons. And so hers is kind of bringing in, you know, weaving in her identity as a Black woman. It's weaving in a very kind of almost like a spiritual type of approach to how she like really leads, kind of leads a team around kind of unconscious bias and things like that. And then we have another book that's called Pride Leadership, and it's about how to empower LGBTQ people within their organizations. Those books are dramatically different, Mm -hmm. but those two authors are dramatically different. And now if they had both come to the table saying, I'm a leadership expert, I'm going to write this very generic, boring book on leadership, nobody would have bought either of Mm -hmm. those books. And so it just kind of shows the power of thinking about who we're serving and just being so crystal clear about it, that it just makes it so obvious. Mm. Because like I was saying before, that obviousness then kind of is that gateway to kind of getting trust. It's like, oh, like there's that person and she does that thing. But I heard someone, so-and-so say something about that same person doing that thing. Well, now I need to know what that person is doing. Mm. And by, you know, by the, by what the website looks like or what the book looks like, you know, instantly whether, you know, someone is your people or not your people. Love it. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Now you run a publish your purpose author lab to help people get these messages out of their head and start to get clarity on what they do. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what that is and how people could become involved? Yeah, thank you. So the Publisher Purpose Author Lab, it's a Facebook group currently, and I I don't know when it may emerge outside of a Facebook group, but right now it is, and it's got close to about 500 people in it. And I run a 10-day workshop shop usually like every other month or so. And so the purpose of the workshop is to help people kind of get the foundational pieces in order to really get them started in this process. So I have, you know, I have writing programs, I got publishing programs, but this one is kind of that free, you know, and I've had so many people say that they get more value from this free workshop than they have for paid workshops, which was 100% my intent with it. Because I know that there's you know, for me, it's a bigger, like a bigger calling to help people share their stories. So I go in there and for the 10 days I'm live for, you know, like 30 minutes, kind of like teaching people and then 30 minutes of Q and a for 10 days straight, which I get so much joy and love from because it's people with, from all walks of life, all over the world who are just doing unique things. And they just have sometimes such basic questions that to me are so easy to answer, or even to you as a, you know, a fellow author, you might be like, of course you would just do this. But for someone who's just in it for the first time, you have no idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of helps start with, you know, like identifying what your purpose is and moving into, you know, like, who are you writing for and how do you write your story? And so it just kind of sequentially builds on itself. And, and I love doing it because it gives me an opportunity to anyone that I talk to to say, just come join the lab. I do pop up Q and A's once a week where I just pick a different day and time and just say like, whoever wants to listen, like, come on over and I'll answer any questions you have, whether it's writing, marketing, editing, publishing, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, a lot of times we have conversations aren't even related to books, but it's related to thought leadership. And so, Mm. you know, I work with thought leaders all day, so I could talk about this all day. So I just love it because it's just kind of a nice way to serve a bigger group of people, because I know that there's people who can't afford to work with me. And I want to make sure that there's a path to help those other voices that might have been otherwise missed. Love that so much. Where do people go to sign up for that? I was going to say challenge, but workshop. (laughs) (laughs) So um, there's two ways. So I have a website that's meet the publisher 
And so it's meetthepublisher.com slash author lab, or they can just go straight into Facebook and just type in publisher purpose author lab and it should come up. Beautiful. And as always, we'll pop those links up in the show notes over at samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, which is where you will also find the show notes for this episode. Jen, it's been so wonderful to chat with you today. I love the insight that you've brought to the conversation. And if you could leave with one passing thought or one thought that you would like to leave our listeners with today, what would that be? Oh, such a good question. You know, I would say just start whatever thing it is that you're working on or that you're doing or you're thinking about working on. Just take that first baby step today to get one step closer to whatever that thing is. Love it. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.